Uh, greetings. Um, I'm Lloyd Russell, your host of Lit with Lloyd. Uh, and I want to thank uh, KCAT for sponsoring the show. Uh, and uh, today, uh, my guest is someone that uh, I've known for quite a few decades, actually. Uh, her name is Elaine Klassen, and she has written two very highly acclaimed novels that we will, of course, talk about. Welcome, Elaine. It's uh, great to have you here. Thank you, Lloyd. It's really great to be here. So in reference to those decades, uh, our kids went to the same school. I was on the board when you were the president of the board. But I don't remember you ever talking about writing a novel back then. <laughs> so, <laughs> so how did that start? Probably <laughs> my most deeply held wish. When I was in college, I took a an English class and I was in a medical profession I was an occupational therapy major uh, then went on to get a degree in public health and in psychology but when I was an undergrad at Ohio State I had an English professor say well what kind of a writer do you want to be and I fumbled and said oh no no I could never be a writer but of course <laughs> she had scoped me out that was my deepest dream but I never never had the confidence and then um, did an occasional newspaper piece, and then in my 40s, uh, looked at the continuing ed booklet at Stanford and saw the creative writing classes and said, I want to do this. Uh, and if not now, when? Uh -huh. uh, and to, for better or worse, uh, I got a lot of encouragement. And uh, through my 40s and 50s and 60s, um, I got some very prestigious writing residencies got a few stories published but a lot lot of rejections could, you know as they say <laughs> like paper, every author yeah could paper my writing room with rejections but truly I discovered over a period of years that long-form fiction was what I was really after rather than short stories uh-huh uh, okay uh, something that I actually forgot to do which is normal but I would like to hear from the audience Audience, how's it going over there? <laughs> okay, don't take it personally that I forgot about you. Um, okay, well, I want to get into the books, but but how did you actually get published with your first novel? Wow, um, I tried a lot of agents. Um, and I have since come to find out that it's really not a lot of agents. I mean, you you talk, you read about, and you talk to uh, very accomplished and very famous writers, such as you know the Harry Potter series and so on. And they did seventy or eighty submissions, but I would do about twenty submissions, and then I would get two discouraged. I, and what would I do? I would start a new novel, and that was why I had three pretty finished novels in my desk because I just couldn't face submitting and submitting and submitting after a certain point. Then I, my cousin told me about uh, a publisher called She Writes Press, which publishes only women and publishes about 40 women a season, 40 mm. women in the winter and 40 women in the spring. And it's a direct, you submit directly. And they put you on a certain track if you're ready or not ready. And, and so it's a small publisher but I have nothing but extreme uh, good things to say about She Writes. They um, not only do a really good job with editing, but they do a really good job in cover. Their cover work 
wins prizes constantly and they're really good at distribution so um they are distributed just as a as any major publisher um so going with a small publisher has not been a bad thing for me yeah that's fantastic um it seems like more and more authors are using smaller independent publishers right because the big five is so airtight yeah, yeah. It just seemed an impossible nut to crack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I only have so many years left, so <laughs> I didn't want to do it. Yeah, quite a few, <laughs> certainly. But I understand. Knock on wood. Yes. Uh, so I know of two books uh, of yours that I've read and certainly enjoyed. But do you actually have a third that I don't know about? Yeah, that's not been published. Got it. Uh-huh. Are, is it going to be, or was it just uh, the first one that got you into the second and third ones? Um, probably that, probably that, that, um, it's, it's a book about two women and, um, it it is early. It's an early book. I mean, I'm not saying that I won't go back to it, but it's not where I'm at right now. Where I'm at right now is creating a book about five women, uh, who are traveling through Sicily together, long-term friendships. And I'm really interested, um, a la Elena Ferrante, who's my hero in, in her book about books about friendship, the Neapolitan Quartet. I'm really interested in examining the truth of women's friendships. Um, and so, I don't know if this is coming out too early, but the three things that really I felt passionate about, and it does reflect the first book too, which is about friendship. The things I was most passionate about is who do we love and why do we love those people? And the whole concept of love and, and the choices we make in our uh, love relationships is fascinating to me. And thus, the first book that was published, uh, Love is a Rebellious Bird. The second thing I was passionate about is figuring out our kids. And having several kids, I was very, um, very interested in nature versus nurture. So that's the second book. And the third book, the thing I'm really interested in, because it's meant so much to me throughout my life, is women's friendships uh which has sustained me and which is just so important to me i mean i can't can't imagine getting through life um without these deep women's friendships Uh so that's what i'm writing writing right now and i hope to publish it also great okay do you have a rough time frame for finishing first question and second question is Uh, We know that the traditional publishers take about a year to publish from the time they get it. Uh, What kind of time frame does that work with with, uh, She Writes? Oh, at least. It's actually more like 18 months that She Writes. Yeah, they're getting more and more popular. And so the waiting list is a little longer. uh, And they... um, they really do a very thorough job with editing, so that takes a long time. And okay. So I'm in line. Um, I haven't even really gotten in line with She Writes for the third book, and it's not finished. I would imagine it'll be about a year till I finish it. Uh-huh. But I think that um, since I've done pretty well with the first two books, um, that I'll probably stay where I am and yeah, stay good. with them. Good. I, I assume they have the option of saying, you know, we published two but we don't want the third yeah absolutely but it it doesn't sound like that's going to (laughs) happen I hope not um you know and I'm I'm quicker now than I was um I think I was just in such agony about everything with the first book and that's why the earthquake child which is actually was my was written before she writes before uh love is rebellious bird 
I stopped, didn't get it published, and so went into writing um, The Earthquake Child. But in fact, Love is a Rebellious Bird was written um, before, um, that The Earthquake Child was written before because I was very interested in the adoption issue a long time ago because I've and maybe 15 20 years ago so the germ of that idea began earlier um, but I couldn't get it published so then I went into the love book um, so I, I I'm quicker now I, I I don't agonize about everything as much <laughs> I have perhaps more belief in myself more belief in my instincts and um, don't do it. Like, I could spend two hours crossing out and and the and go back to and and then the and go back. And I'm not doing that quite as much. I'm letting the sentences flow a little bit more. Good. Do you have early readers that um, will weigh in? Yeah, absolutely. Um, when I lived in Las Gatas, uh, we've, we've since moved down to Santa Barbara. But when I lived in Las Gatas, I had a monthly soiree in my living room and um, my very close girlfriends would come and I would occasionally invite other people that I knew were really serious readers and I would read chapters and um, that was very very helpful uh-huh. and then I had beta readers with um, with both books but in particular with The Earthquake Child I had uh, in, my, in my experience in my friendships and in my relatives several people who have adopted children and I sent out uh, early versions of the Earthquake Child to get a feel whether was I was I giving the feel of adoption. Everyone's adoption experience is very individual, but uh, I did send it out to five or six women, and they are given credit in the acknowledgments section, who I knew had had sometimes good experiences, sometimes traumatic experiences, uh-huh. but. Um, had had experiences with adoption to ask if if this book resonated with yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and their comments helped you better formulate the book. Yeah, um, I think what always made me nervous is I would generally get comments back that this is sad, and I thought, gosh, is anyone going to want to read a downer book? Um, Love is a Rebellious Bird was not such a downer. Right. I mean, it was about, there was aspects of it that were about the life cycle. But it, I don't think anyone considered it a downer. This is a heavier book. And when I've had discussions with people, um, inevitably it gets to heavy matters, matters that are deep in your heart. And um, I was afraid of that. I really was. I was just feeling like, ugh, people are going to throw this across the room. But that has not been the experience. Good. So, so far, people are saying, yeah, yeah, I, I know what you mean. Even those who haven't adopted, uh-huh. those who have children who are incredibly different from each other, or perhaps a uh-huh. troubled child, but a biologically troubled troubled child who is a biological right, child. Right. Um, so, I haven't had that um, experience. It's very new. It's only been out two weeks. But... Um, I haven't had the experience yet where people are saying, ugh, why did you do this to me? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I was going to ask, have you gotten feedback from from people that, are, that have adopted children? Uh, but uh, with only two weeks, it probably is fairly light so far. Yeah, but I got to tell you, it's just the best, the best. 
is I've gotten uh, two letters from people who said that the book was very comforting to them and uh, they are adoptive parents and so that even though it's not a joy and Hallmark card loveliness um, people are saying yes you, you get me and I'm not alone and that whole thing that all of us feel when we read is just the comfort of knowing that other human emotions yep. are like our own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, as a big reader myself, um, you know, I, I read a lot of different genres, which I think many people do now. Right. Uh, and not every book has to have, you know, all happiness. I mean, you know, that's not that's not real <laughs> to only yeah. have happy things going on. So I'm sure that a lot of people will will read this and 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 take it for what it is yeah i hope so i mean it's a tough time right now there's a lot of depressing news to absorb so i do think some people do want to escape and i don't know that i would call this an escape book (laughs) yeah 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 well i think those are called beach reads i mean (laughs) whenever i hear the word beach read you know it it there's an image in my mind of something that's just kind of light but I, I don't think that any type of book should be read at any specific time of year. I think you can read <laughs> anything at any time. Right. Uh, so, right. But, I, but yeah, if they're looking for a beach read, then, you know, they'll know what to go for. <laughs> uh, all right. So what, what prompted you to write about the two books that you wrote about and... How how did you develop the characters? I mean, especially for the you know for the earthquake child, the book is basically about a, a young youngish boy. Uh, how, how can you how do you get into the head of of a different gender and different age? Um, yeah, people have been asking me that a lot because they feel like with earthquake child I've gotten into the head of a teenager. Um, I have this ability. A lot of things I can't remember and a lot of things I'm just a complete dolt at. But what I'm really good at is remembering conversations and remembering, like I'll go home from a party and I'll relive the party, what I say or what I should have said, what somebody else said, and I hear these voices. So that makes me feel comfortable with dialogue. I can hear someone saying something. And in the beginning of The Earthquake Child, we read about a young man who's escaped, run away uh, from a therapeutic boarding school. And um, he is really on the lam. And um, I have the experience in my own life of a therapeutic boarding school, but I didn't know what had happened when this young man ran away. But I could just see it. I could mm. just see it. And I could, you know, I've had four kids. I could see teenagers talking to each other. I understand that the basic emotion between of teenagers is to get out of their parents' control, to individuate, to be on their own. Like, who are you to tell me what to do? And I just knew that emotion from this teenage boy. Um, and so I wasn't there when in the book this teenage boy which as I said was based on reality but when this teenage boy ran from the therapeutic boarding school but I could just hear him being pissed off so I just I have that I mean a lot of writers don't write dialogue because they don't 
I'm reading a book right now where it's zero dialogue and it won the Pulitzer Prize two years ago. <laughs> so it can be done, but I do have the kind of brain that remembers and hears voices. Wow. Well, it's a good thing that we weren't friends way back when because whenever we went out with people on a Saturday night, I had to get on the apology hotline the next day. <laughs> so I'm glad we don't have any of that. But no. <laughs> uh, All right, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back with Elaine Klassen. Thank you to the city of Monteserino for their continued support of KCAT Public Media. The city of Monteserino has enabled KCAT to inspire, educate, entertain, and inform our community through the magic of television and digital media for over 38 years. Thank you. And we are back with Elaine Klassen. Uh, okay. I want to ask you about what happens when you're writing. Uh, first of all, are you a plotter or a pantser? Do you know those expressions? No. I do not. <laughs> do you, the plotter basically does a whole outline before the book starts. The pantser has an idea and just flows with it as she or he is, is writing the book. Uh, so are you one or the other or both? No, um, and I, I have now listened to enough writers answer that question to know that I'm actually doing something a little different. Okay. So what I do is I keep a notebook, and this has really, really worked for me for um, Love is a Rebellious word, Bird. I write every image and every scene I can think of about this man and woman, this boy and this girl. And I might be just describing this beautiful linen shirt he was wearing when he walked into the restaurant and how everyone looked up and commented on what a great shirt that was. I might have just little anecdotes and they aren't in any order, but they're a way for me to kind of get deep with the characters and see who they are and what they look like and what they might say and how they might react. And so then after having like pages and pages of anecdotes, um, I then will shape it and in um, Love is a Rebellious Bird I shaped it by saying very chronologically that these two people met in Chicago as 10 year olds and I then shape anecdotes that I would put in about showing this relationship growing among two children and then two high schoolers and then to uh, boyfriend girlfriend and then to lovers um, so I'm able to then pull these scenes which when I wrote them were so vivid that I think I could get them into the story and make it a novel shape it into a novel because a novel can't be just a bunch of anecdotes yeah but they help me and then the same was true with the earthquake child. I wrote out a lot of anecdotes as they came to me about this rebellious child, uh, about the child when he wasn't rebellious, when he was beautiful and angelic and adorable. I, would, I just would imagine this child, there's a scene where the child goes with his mom for the first time to the Asian Art Museum in San Francisco. and. Um, uh, at that point, it wasn't the Asian Art Museum. It was, the, I think, it was the Natural History Museum. But he's at the museum with his mom, looking at uh, 
at, at the warriors from China. And I just, that scene was really vivid in my mind. And so then I created as needed, as it's needed to, to help us understand this little boy and what this little boy was like uh, with his mom. And then um, I would have scenes where the birth mother, who was totally imagined because I really don't know anything about the birth mother in my own adoption story, um, but I created an, a, a person and what she was like and what it felt like when she found out she was pregnant and what it felt like when she knew she wasn't going to get help from her mom or from her boyfriend so I, I would create these anecdotes about the birth mom and then create it into a, into a character and so on with the with the adoptive mom and in the case of the earthquake child this is not chronological totally so I do go back and forth mm-hmm. a little bit but by using these anecdotes I'm able as I said to shape it to, so that we know these three people, three people, and that's my whole goal at the end of the book, is that we know these three people for better or worse, and we really have gotten inside the gut of these three people. Oh, wow. Uh, do the characters talk to you during the, the book? Um, do you, I, does, do the direct, does the direction ever change because you feel like the character is saying something to you? No, I've heard writers say that, that they're being led by the characters. No, I'm in charge. <laughs> yeah, I, I know where I want them to go. Yeah. Um, and I know what tone I want to have. And I want to know, I want the reader to know about these characters. So I'm, I'm shaping them. Okay. All right. Um, uh, I, I want to talk about some fun stuff right now. Tell us about the various uh, awards and nominations that you've gotten for I, at least Love as a Rebellious Child, also for the Earthquake Child? No. That's I, too soon, isn't it's it? It's too soon. Yeah, 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 yeah. Most of the awards, if they happen, will be in the next, like in the spring. Okay. But for Love as a Rebellious Bird. Yeah, I mean, utter amazement, Lloyd. I, I thought of having a debut novel at age 72 was going to be... <laughs> An interesting experience, and I was just thrilled to be published. Thrilled to hold a book in my hands that had a cover and my name on it, uh, and that it was going to be read by people. And I wasn't sure how many people would read it. Would it just be people who were being kind? Friends. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> Friends and relatives. Um, and uh, I, I did very well with that. And it started in Los Angeles. I was invited to be a speaker at the Skirball Museum in LA. And uh, it was a huge group. It was a group of uh, supporters of Brandeis University. And it was just a huge event in, um, in LA. And that, I think it's that event, I can't figure out anything else, put me on the bestseller list of independent wow. bookstores. And number six, I was number six. Ah. And, and boy, ah. did I cut that out. And I was, you know, <laughs> to be on the bestseller list of a bookshop, bookshops in LA. So that was a thrill. And then um, I applied for the uh, National Jewish Book Award and was a runner up. So that was just really a thrill. Um, And um, when I looked at the other people in my category, another person in my category, this was just a fun thing, was um, Fleischman is in Trouble. Uh It was a recent series on TV. Saw it. 
and she was the other runner-up. And I thought, okay, <laughs> what does Taffy Brobecker uh, have? <laughs> what connections does she have? But she was a, before writing her, this Fleischman is in trouble, she's a columnist, a newspaper writer for the New York Times. So she has a few few better in, ins, but I was really thrilled to be in that company. Uh, and um, because of the Jewish Book Award, I was then, I um, auditioned for the Traveling National Jewish Book Council. And they send you, um, after you audition, they send you to as many organizations that want to hear you. So it will be Jewish organizations around America. Uh, and I got 14 cities, which was wow. really cool. So I got to speak to a lot of people and um, a lot of readers. And um, that was really exciting. Fantastic. And I. A few other awards, the um, uh, independent, there's an Ippy Award for independent publishers, and uh, there were, I think, five or six really nice awards. Uh, but the biggest to me was the National Jewish Book Award, because that was really a, a, an award that people are very familiar with. And Yeah, wow. Yeah. That's, that's, that's really so cool. Yeah, and I've sold really pretty well. I mean, I, I don't know, I, it's way above the average for a first book, so... Uh -huh. um, Obviously, this has nothing to do with money <laughs> because I'm not in those esteemed ranks. Um, you know, it's a pittance, really. Uh, but I think it's so not to do with that, and it's so to do with the the thrill of people reading what I care about, the subjects I really yeah. care about. Yeah, and that's really cool because, I mean, your books are all about subjects that you do really care about. Yes. Uh, it's not that... It's not that other f fiction books aren't also entertaining and fun to read, but uh, but obviously you're writing from from the heart. Yeah, I uh, hope so. And that and that shows through. Yeah. Uh, are all of your both books? <laughs> I still would like to see that third book come out sometime. I hope so. Um, uh, are all of your books in e and audio? Uh, the first book is in well, they're both in e, and uh, the first book. Love is a Rebellious Bird is in audio. Had a great narrator, uh, uh, a gal from Brooklyn, Kimberly Westerly. Uh, I auditioned lots of readers. And um, the big deal about audiobook, and I know I could not do it, is that you have to be able to do accents and you have to be able to do a man and a woman in conversation yeah. and make your voice sound believable. And I just, I've done a little acting, but I could <laughs> never do a love scene yeah. between a man and a woman. <laughs> and Kimberly can, and she's delightful. And I um, had no trouble picking her out of the six or seven audition tapes that I heard. Um, I haven't done the audio yet for um, Earthquake Child. I really want to. I think it'll probably look at it in the fall and I <laughs> did I really screw that up um, the um, Kimberly has has been interested in doing it again and uh, writers are on strike right now and the actors have joined them so she's obviously not working right yeah, now yeah but um, she has expressed interest because we had a really good time working together over zoom and over uh, email I mean we, we've never met um, but she has, I have heard tapes of her doing teenagers. So there is that section of the book that I, that is about teenager, but I, I haven't really heard her read other parts of my book and I want to do yeah. that, but, um, I do want to have an audio for that. I think, um, 
audiobooks are just getting so much Absolutely. more popular. Absolutely. They're so fantastic. It always bothers me when people who listen to audiobooks act like they or say that they're not reading. That is the equivalent of reading. It is. And, and we know people that only do audiobooks, and that's a fantastic way to, uh, uh, to get a to hear, hear and read a book. Yeah, I've actually, now I'm doing, um, I'm listening to the audio and reading uh, Abraham Verghese's new book. And um, he narrates his own book. He's wonderful. But it, that's an ex- interesting experience too. But I, I do want to get the audio out. You know, more and more people are talking about how they're really shifting to audio. So I want to do the earthquake. Yeah, trial. yeah. Well, and that's great that, uh, that you have control over that. Mm-hmm. I assume you also have control over the cover art for the for the uh, uh, paperback. Yeah, um, the we do a whole cover memo to the publisher and the art department of what is the mood we want to convey, and um, of course I'm going to forget the name of the artist, but there's <laughs> a pretty famous artist that not that didn't do my cover because he's so famous that we wouldn't have been able to afford it but he has a picture of a child looking in the ocean and I said I know that we cannot use this picture that this artist drew but I want to have a, something about a, con, a con, contemplative child looking at the water uh-huh and um, and so they came up with that. And um, the fact that the child is blonde in my book is pretty important. So we tried to try to get them to lighten the hair a little. <laughs> but it, I think it gives a sense of a child who's thinking. Yeah. Uh, who are your influences that uh, that actually help you with uh, the writing, just in terms of incentive and motivation and all? You mean real people or writers? Writers, I mean. Yeah, because Wallace Stegner said that you always write with someone looking over your shoulder and are trying to get that person's approval. Uh And I would say that it is definitely someone I love as Wallace Stegner. But I do love long-form fiction that goes over generations. I feel that whole concept of moving through life and moving through time, something I really like to do, rather than a short book that is about, or could be a long book, but that is about a year in the life or even a month in the life. I feel I like to go through generations. Um, So I mentioned Alana Ferrante earlier, uh, absolutely one of my strongest influences. Um, I love the concept of two women going through life together. And um, I like, love Gabriel Garcia Marquez for the same reasons that he goes through generations of a family. Uh, and um, wow. I'm, I'm very, very fond of Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Yeah. Um, I love Alice Monroe, even though I've said that I don't write short fiction. I think Alice Monroe can put in 30 pages an entire lifetime because she's the master of short story as exemplified by the fact that she won the Nobel Prize. Um, And the recent winner um, of the Nobel Prize, this year's winner of the Nobel Prize, Annie, can you help me out? Uh, French. Um, Just a recent... Pruel? No, not Annie Pruel, but she's... Not sure. No, thank you, David. 
Annie Arnaux, ah. E-R-N-A-U-X, has become a real influence for me in that she makes it okay to write domestic stuff. She won the Nobel Prize for writing domestic stuff, stuff about a woman's experience with having children, with marriages that work, that marriages that don't work, with lovers. So um, I'll have to remember that name, Annie, or no, because I, <laughs> I now I'm quoting her quite a bit. Um, so I think that people who aren't afraid to go domestic, who aren't afraid to talk about one's marital life, uh, raising children, that that those are okay subjects. Those are okay subjects for literature. Wow. Well, you know, uh, back quickly to the uh, to the audio book. Uh, it seems like your next book will be pretty easy to find <laughs> a narrator. It's five women. Right. <laughs> well, that's a much Flashed bigger budget. When you have to have when you have multiple readers, it's a much bigger budget, and I wouldn't have that budget. So you have to have somebody that could do different voices. Yeah. Whoa, Lloyd, you're scaring me. <laughs> <laughs> I forget I said that. Uh, <laughs> along with many other things that I typically say, so it's okay. Uh, I know that you've only had one book that's been out for a while. Have you had any interest from a TV or movie studio? No, from your words. I know. To God's know. ears. Yeah. I, what I really, I, I told my publicist I was going to give her a big, fat, juicy bonus if she got me either to uh, Jenna's book club or Reese's book club or even, I don't even dare say it out loud, you know, the... <laughs> The book club of all book clubs. Of course. Yes. Um, and I, I have been on a panel uh, with people who have been Jenna's book club. And I've been on a panel with people who have been Reese's book club. And uh, I have asked them, how do you do it? What's, what's the secret? Who do you contact? And they have all said, and I think they're telling the truth, that you don't contact them. Absolutely, I can see that. Yeah. Uh, somebody uh, in their group is uh, searching out all the latest uh, right. authors. Right, yeah, yeah, that would be a dream. I would love it, because you get to really talk about your book um, with if you get that kind of yeah. publicity. Uh, okay, so let me ask you just a very mundane question. Uh, how do you how do you time your writing? Uh, do you write a certain amount of hours a day, or do you just kind of wing it? So I'm not writing right now because publicity takes a huge chunk uh -huh. of time and energy. But when I am actively writing, and I am, I've started the new book about friendship, I know that works for me is to do eight pages forward and eight pages back. So um, I try to create, I try to I go back first. I look back at the pages I created, eight pages the day before, and I tweak it. That I work uh -huh. with it. And then that puts me into the headspace to go forward. Oh, wow, that's great. So you really got to get into the headspace, I find. And I get so deep. I mean, I have had writing residencies. I've been lucky enough to go to gorgeous places in, in the world to do <clears throat> writing residencies. But I live now in a very beautiful place above a vineyard. And I mean, I can't say that I could go anywhere more beautiful than where <laughs> we live. I look out my window and there's a vineyard. So um, it's, it's lovely. So... I great word writing at home, but I just have to say to myself, nothing for the next six or eight hours. And I won't write constantly for six or eight hours, but I have to be in that headspace. And then I will hear nothing once I'm in that space. Like when my husband comes home and like comes behind me, I'll jump 10 feet. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, that sounds great. And, and, and you know, um, of all the authors that I've asked this question to, not none of them have said to me, I go back and tweak the pages from yesterday and start again. Maybe they do, but it's the first time I've heard it. And it really makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, it gets you into the, into the headspace you want to be. Yeah, to good. To move forward. Good. All right. Well, um, I think that that's all the questions I have. Uh, this has been great, enlightening, fascinating. Um, I want to thank the audience again for being here. Uh, and and I, in, I really, yeah. I just want to say that this has really been a thrill, too, and it really has been fun. When I look at Lloyd, I see him as we were sitting across the table at the school board we were on, and I see him as a young dad, and I see him around town in the last few decades, and it's really just such a pleasure to see you again. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. Uh, the word young is not often attached to my name, so <laughs> thank you for that. Thank you. All right. Well, uh, that, we're going to close the book on today's podcast. I certainly want to thank um, KCAT for... Uh, letting us do this. Uh, I want to thank Elaine for being here. Uh, it was a great interview. Uh, and if you want to see other podcasts, uh, then you can go on lloyd.show forward slash YouTube. Um, and uh, if you don't, just ignore what I said right now. Uh, so uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you. You just heard Lit with Lloyd here on KCAT Radio. Explore all our KCAT original programming at kcat.org slash radio.